0: Hello, and welcome to the Neff Canyon Ward podcast. My name is Tyler Slade, and I'm excited to bring you all the cool people of our neighborhood and ward. The goal of this podcast is for all of us to get to know each other better, to create unity through sharing our experiences with others in the gospel. All right. We are here with the Stacks. Excited to be here. Thank you for allowing me in your nice new rental home <laughs> <Thank>
1: you. <laughs> as you
0: are building space. and yes. rebuilding your new. Tell us a little bit about that project. Why don't we start there?
2: Yeah, we, of course, we've lived in the word for a while. We lived on Brock Bankway and then we bought a house on Parkview that needs a lot of love <laughs> a lot yes, of love a lot of love yeah so we're going to be living in this rental home still in the cove on Viewcrest crest drive for the next year probably while we launch into a huge renovation but that's kind of our jam so. Well,
0: you guys are really good at it, and one of the criteria that you know we talked about with the bishop is the Stags can do these projects as long as it's in our ward <laughs> boundaries.
1: <laughs> that was one of our criteria. <laughs> we, we honestly Plus. would not have moved if we hadn't found a property in the ward. We were awesome. only looking within the ward boundaries. So, and
2: it's a pretty small geographical area so as you can imagine it was hard to find a home that fit all of the criteria and here we are
1: and we were very lucky nate frederick reached out to us to tell us about the house and that's the only reason we knew about it and So it's nice to have a ward family who's looking out for you. He's just stacking the deck on Parkview, is what (laughs) he's doing. He's He's very well connected, that Nate Frederick. (laughs) Yes, he is. (laughs) So it helps to have ward members looking out for you, helping you out. Well, John, tell
0: tell the ward where you're from a little bit about your, uh, yeah, where were you born? Where'd you go to school?
1: Yeah, I was born in Sandy, really, um, and lived. Kind of all around Salt Lake Valley throughout my life, moved around a fair amount, but always within, you know, fairly close proximity. Um, went to Alta High School and actually Jen and I both went to Alta, but we didn't know each other until college. We were set up on a blind date. Um and wait, how did you miss Jen at high school? Come on. So I'm two years old. You were dancing, right? Come on.
2: (laughs) It's a huge high school. It was a huge high school at the time.
1: Yeah, 1,000 kids per grade, so yeah, it's a big one. Th- over 3,000 kids in the school, and I noticed Jen, but she was two years younger than me, and there's no way she would have gone out with me. <laughs> in high school. So it's probably good that we didn't meet in high sense. school. I got a little cooler into college. Not much, but...
2: John had very fluffy hair in high school. <laughs> so did I. It's <laughs> a lot of hair volume. Fluffy. <laughs> did you have a perm?
1: No, no I did he not. just...
2: There's a lot of hair on that head and it was particularly... Fluffily coiffed in high school,
1: but yeah, I n- I've never loft, heard that as an ex- yeah. I've never heard that as an excuse for why you wouldn't have dated me. But okay,
0: too bad this is a podcast <laughs> and not a video cast because we could get a picture for you. There you go. Everyone can see.
2: <laughs> Here's a little trivia for you. We actually went to high school with several people that are now in our ward. We're yeah. slowly just recruiting. Really? all a- of the Alta, Alta High
1: Hawks. alum. Yeah.
2: Mm. Yes. Sarah, Phillip, and I were on drill team together okay, in high school. Okay,
0: that's a good one.
2: We were very good friends. That's right. And then Drew Quist also
1: Andrew. Yes, yeah.
2: went to high school with us.
1: Same he year. He and Sarah, as Sarah were the same year. Right yes. in between our years. Well, you
0: definitely get a lot of kudos for recruiting them to the ward. <laughs> we didn't recruit addition. the Quist,
2: but we did recruit Sarah and Marvin. Awesome. So we'll take wow. credit for that one. <laughs>
0: yeah, awesome. So you went to Alta then. And uh, uh,
1: then went to BYU you, okay and studied there as an undergrad cougar. Awesome. Uh, of course, went on a mission to southwest of France, Bordeaux mission. The Bordeaux-France mission. Yeah, not a bad place to no, spend two years. No, fantastic. Um, and yeah, finished up at BYU and then went on to law school at the University of Iowa. So lived in the middle of a cornfield for a couple <laughs> of years and... Um, and then came right back here after law school to work right out of law school and have been here ever since. We really wanted to come back to Utah. Uh, we wanted that out-of-state experience, but immediately identified like we wanted to come back. Awesome. We just love it here and awesome. never plan on moving, So either out of the state or the work. I so. love it. What about So what kind of law? Tell us a little bit about
0: that, your professional um, career.
1: Yeah, I'm a corporate lawyer, um, so I do a lot of things. Other than litigation. I don't sue people, thankfully. Thank you. Um, I set up companies, do contracts. Right now, I'm working with Intermountain Healthcare in their venture capital arm. So I invest in healthcare startups and things like that. So.
0: And you've been with them how long?
1: I've been with Intermountain, wow, six years now. And before that, I was with a law firm here in town doing awesome. the same kind of law.
2: Seven years, right?
1: Um, is it seven now? I might be in my seventh year. (laughs) But
0: that's only your first job because you do have a second job.
1: Yeah, in my spare time, yeah. I, I help Jen with her business, which she can tell you more about. But yeah, Jen, tell us where you're from and a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, I'm from Sandy as well. Sure. Um, we actually went to the same middle school and high school. True. But we didn't know each other. I you grew
1: definitely up... wouldn't have liked me as a junior <laughs> high. I was pretty awkward in junior late high. Late bloomer. Everyone was very <laughs> awkward in
2: junior high, I That's think, true. right? Um, and our junior high was like... A special I don't know aren't all junior high is like the worst places on the planet when you look yeah. back
0: at it especially you're like "Ooh, that oh, was bad, yeah. that was a bad few years. it was bad
2: right <laughs> those teachers deserve medals but anyway uh and then went to Alta as well went to BYU which is where I met John um blind date
0: his on a blind roommate yeah you hear that Liza that's a blind date works.
2: <laughs> that worked out right
1: totally worked out
2: I had a class with his roommate And his roommate sat next to me on the first day of school and about halfway through the conversation, he was hitting on me for the first part of the conversation and then it very abruptly switched and he said, Out of the blue, you would be perfect for my roommate.
0: No way. Yeah.
2: And he is not a selfless guy. And I was like, was he
0: dating somebody else or no. He just
2: he's kinda yeah, he kinda played the field a little bit. But he was just like, You would be perfect for my roommate and he set us up on a date.
1: And that was history. And that
2: was history. Yeah. So stole
1: her away from her missionary that she was waiting for. I did. For. Dear I had John. a missionary, yes. Dear Joan.
2: Yes. Um, but <laughs> it was, yeah, it all worked out for the best, obviously. <laughs> we are still married. We've been married 19 years this year. Awesome. Long time.
1: This next month.
2: Yeah, next yeah. month. I can't believe that. I so. Anyway, Tell I, us about your career. Yeah, I majored in broadcast journalism at BYU, mm-hmm.
0: um,
2: and actually went to uh, same major and program as Melissa Woodbury. That's how we met. Oh. she was also a broadcast journalism major, I did and we not became know that. friends at BYU. See, this yeah. is
1: why we're doing the podcast. We get to learn these. Nuggets. You
2: learn all these. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting and really quickly, tippets. I
1: was I was in a law school class with Josh Woodbury, so we both had like a <laughs> college connection <laughs> wow. to them.
2: I know. Weird. Um, so anyway, went to BYU, graduated, uh, served an internship in New York city at ABC news at 2020. And then we moved to the middle of nowhere where I was an anchor and reporter Iowa. in Iowa. Yeah. That was
1: part of the law school thing. Yeah. Yeah. We actually chose where I went to law school and where Jen got her first job because we could locate them both in the same place. Love it. And yeah, it worked out really well.
2: We had never been to Iowa before, but it was a place where we both got... I got a job offer there, and he was accepted to law school there. And it was a really good law school. And so off to Iowa we went. Those were character-building years. <laughs> I worked at a few TV stations in Iowa, and then I had a job offer at Channel 2 here in Salt Lake. Worked at Channel 2 for two years, and then went to Channel 5. Went Worked there for about five years. Uh, and then... Design was kind of always something we had done on the side. We had remodeled houses, and I had always helped family and friends with design. And actually, when he was in law school, I worked a few jobs to put him through law school as an anchor right. reporter and as a designer. Sugar, so Sugar mama. I designed vignettes, right, for furniture stores. And then uh, when Ruby was born, I worked in news for one more year and then just decided to at John's Encouragement, took the leap and started into design full-time and left news. And I bet then, that was a big leap. It was pretty scary at the time. Yeah. It really was. It felt like we were... It really felt like I was jumping off a cliff into the unknown. Because
0: you're really good at that. Like, I remember watching you all the time. Like, Jan, oh. Jan's really good at, you know.
2: Well, that's kind of you. I, I tend to be kind of an all-or-nothing kind of person. <laughs> yeah. Um, And I loved news. And I was so passionate about it. And I poured everything into it. And it took a lot. It took a lot. And and I kind of got to a point, you know, before we had kids, it was easier to throw myself into work. John was working crazy hours. Uh, but then once I had Ruby, the, the payoff kind of became not worth it as Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. i was working every holiday i was working weekends i would work double shifts i mean that's
1: true i was just
2: working all the time
1: she was required to have a bag of overnight clothes in her car at all times because at a moment's notice she could be called to go to saint george for a week because of flooding or a wildfire or that doesn't work with kids Really, not really conducive to having young kids
0: it was
2: really hard, and and also I had put so much into it that it was, and I, it did feel like a calling, totally felt like my calling, and so it was hard to leave that, and John very wisely one night, he said, okay, let's just shelf the news thing for a second, pretend that you haven't <laughs> poured everything into this for the last how many years, if you could be doing anything else, what would you be doing? And immediately I said, well, I'd be doing design and I'd be trying to find a way to combine my love of storytelling and people and, and combine that with design and figure out what I get from it. And so that, from that, our design firm, Stag Design, was born. And then I, Anna was born after that. And, um, and then I was pregnant with Vivi and Fox13 asked me if I would just come back part-time in Anchor One news program. So I did that for two years, and then I was really just done again. I just knew, you know what? I've checked all the boxes. I've done all the things in news, and and so I left doing that for good. Well, I mean, knock on create, wood.
0: That helps you create a name too, right? I mean, for your business, <clears> I think that helps.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because I I still get recognized from news. It's it's really interesting. I'll have people who still don't realize that I'm not on the news anymore. Really? Yeah. And so they just talk to me as if I'm still on the news. Um, and then I either that or I get people who recognize me from design. Mm-hmm. And or people recognize me from the cold podcast, which is like related to news and a case that I worked on that turned into this viral oh, podcast. The, the
0: cold podcast?
2: I did. I was not a part of. Producing that, but I was the lead reporter on the Susan Powell case, oh. so my voice is all over the podcast. If you listen to the podcast, okay. they took my stories and put it together, and then they ended up interviewing me for a later episode. So
0: we could go on a tangent with that. but yeah. I
2: mean, blood everybody could, right? <laughs> Very interesting case. It's a rabbit hole, you mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but. It, The things that I loved about news are the same things that I love about design. That I get to share people's stories and meet new people and really get to know them and learn what they're passionate about. And my platform has changed, right? But but the things that I loved about both are the same. So that's kind of where we are now. We have three little girls and running a design firm. John is a licensed general contractor. And so our skills and an attorney. So our skills kind of complement each other.
0: Well it's, it's 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 so fun to watch what you guys are doing and and to see the design stuff that you've come up it it, it really is fun to watch. I, I know my wife is like, "Hey, look what they're doing now." <laughs> you know, because you know, you guys have a great following on social media and well, thank uh, you. it's uh, it's it's cool to watch.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So shifting gears just a little bit, um, talk a little bit about your spiritual journey and Jan, maybe we'll start with you. Tell us uh, you know, how small it might be or big or grand. Tell us a little bit about your conversion to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. what you know, when did you like just feel like oh this is the, this is it? Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Um, I mean I think I I grew up in kind of an unconventional situation as John did, although our situations are different. Um, my mom was really sick from the time I was really young and um, had a chronic, debilitating illness my, my whole life. And so I learned pretty early on that, um, scary situations would happen in my childhood and prayer became a way for me to comfort myself and receive answers to questions that I had, um, to, to situations that, uh, felt very uncertain at times. And, um, I think I've kind of always drawn on that uh, as I've grown and, and had scary things come up or big life challenges come up. Um, I've kind of always been able to rely on the voice of the Spirit and the Holy Ghost to kind of guide me and, and help me figure out my way. Um, I remember there was, a, <laughs> there was a situation when it was during the recession and I was working at Channel 2 at the time and John was working at a firm downtown and we were both the youngest greenest people in our positions we had just come out of John had just graduated from law school and was working at, at his firm and and I had had just been hired I mean I had been at Channel 2 for two years but I was still the the youngest reporter by a significant. So you worry about layoffs, right? Right. So the recession hit, and TV co- TV stations across the country were just offloading their staffs, and law firms were kind of doing the same thing. Nobody was hiring lawyers. People were laying off attorneys like crazy. Um, like a lot of industries, our two industries were drastically affected. And, and do you remember
1: what it felt like in late two thousand eight, early two thousand nine? That was a scary time for a lot of people because we had no idea. What else was coming? It was already looking pretty bleak.
2: We had made the decision to put an offer down on the house uh, that we were going to remodel. That was kind of our thing. Um, and there were some red flags, right, that we probably should have paid closer attention to. But we've always kind of had this prayer whenever we're about to make a big decision. Like, hey, Heavenly Father, we... Are doing our best, and we think that this is the right decision. But if this is not the right decision, put a red flag up, Something. make a lightning bolt stop us from making this decision, right? Guide so, us.
1: Yeah.
2: right. So we had put the offer down on this house. There were a couple lightning bolts that we kind of chose to ignore because we're um, also very optimistic. We're very optimistic, <laughs> right? I can appreciate that. So, so we had we kind of missed our opportunity to back out of this house, even though it was. N- Looking back, it was definitely not the right decision for us to buy this house. And right before we were supposed to close, John was transferred to Minneapolis for six months because his firm didn't have any work for him to do at the Salt Lake office. So rather than lay him off, which was happening to attorneys at his firm, they moved him to Minneapolis for six months.
1: Which we were like, awesome. Thank you. I'll do that.
2: (laughs) And my... TV station who had assured me through five rounds of layoffs that I was never going to be a part of the layoff laid me off the day before they sold the company. Um, And so suddenly our lives looked completely different and we had to back out of the house and lost our deposit. And we moved to Minneapolis and I cried every day. I was (laughs) devastated. I was like, why is this happening to me? And I have worked so hard to get where I am and what is going on? And now we're in Minneapolis and we don't know what's happening. And I remember (laughs) crying in the shower, like the ugly cry, like, what is going on? And I heard this very loud sort of definitive voice that said, be patient. It will come. And it stopped me from crying immediately. And I was like, okay okay. (laughs) Okay. It'll, it'll come, you know, and the next day channel five called me and offered me a job. And that's just one of so many examples where I think I've learned that, that if I'm willing to just quiet the noise and, and hear heavenly father, that I'll be guided in the right direction.
1: Yeah. And I guess the rest of that story is you ended up being much happier at Channel 5 than you ever were at Channel 2. That's true.
2: I had a lot more opportunity at Channel 5.
1: And instead of buying that house, which who knows how that would have gone, it was maybe biting off a little more than we could chew. We ended up buying a different property that we still own and fully renovated. It's been a terrific investment. And I was able to keep my job and going to Minneapolis was actually a really good career move because I established all these relationships in other offices and it was like a source of work for me as an attorney for years after that. So everything that happened even though at the time felt like a setback was actually propelling us forward in the right direction and so we were guided exactly to where we needed to be even though it felt like everything was falling apart at the time.
0: You know that's absolutely fantastic and and I will just pause and say that you know that it's it's very apparent that, I, I mean, I'm feeling the spirit right now as I hear this because, you know, it, you know, it's not coincidence, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there's, there's things that happen in our life when we're obeying God's laws, even when we don't want them to happen, right? And then one day you look back and you're like,
1: I get it. Yeah. Right? And we you can, can never see it at the time. No.
2: We can say the same thing about how we ended up in this ward and in this neighborhood. Yeah. You know, we were trying to buy a house in a different neighborhood and it wasn't working out and it wasn't working out. And we were so frustrated. We tried six months to buy this house in Draper and the day that we finally lost the house, we happened to think, well, let's just drive through the Cove. We've always loved that neighborhood. And then we happened upon our last house that had a for sale by owner sign that they had just put out that morning. And, called on it and then they decided to take the sign down after talking to us and you know and other people had tried to buy that house and it didn't work out and so I've just learned that if we're willing to listen and calm our minds and trust that things will work out we'll be guided to where we're
0: supposed to be. I love it. John, what about um, what about you on your conversion story? I mean, did it did it just come like natural to you, or was it a grind? Tell us a little bit about how your testimony came to be.
1: Uh, yeah, I I had a fairly tumultuous childhood as as Jen did. Um, I was raised by a single mother, and my father left our family when I was about three years old. So I really only knew life with my mother, and she. Did everything she could, but as a single mother with a very low income, times were tough. And, um, and really because my mom was working multiple jobs, she was rarely home and just doing everything she could to hold the family together. So in many ways, the church raised me. And one thing of many that my mom did really well was just ensure that we were strong in the church growing up. Which I'm sure wasn't easy for no, I mean, I look back now as a parent, I and mean, Jen and I together can barely hold things together. <laughs> and we have two high-functioning adults who are really committed to our kids and to our family, and it is a lot of work and struggle to do everything that needs to be done. I, and I often think back, wow, what if I were my mom? What if I were alone, trying to shoulder all of this?
2: With seven kids.
1: With seven kids. Seven kids. I was the youngest of seven. She is a saint. Yeah, she I I don't know how she survived, honestly, getting through that. And you know, inevitably one person can only do so much, sure. right? So there were things that um, I, I really firmly believe in that saying it takes a village to raise a child. And the only way we survived and ended up, you know, in a good place was because of the village that was built around us, really from the church. Not only the people who were there to support us. Um, And help out but also the the teachings of the church the doctrines The way that we're taught to live our lives to avoid, you know all the bad things that can send us off in the wrong direction So it's not only the the community of people. It was also the lessons of the gospel of how to live your life and perfect yourself over time that's what I was raised off of right and Sometimes I think about, you know, we were on welfare. We were barely surviving financially. Things were, times were tough. But when I compare my childhood to the childhoods of so many in the world and the rest of the country, I was raised in really fortunate circumstances, even though we were struggling financially, because I always had our wards that, you know, were surrounding me. I was loved, loved. I was supported. I, even though I didn't have a father in the home, I had a lot of great priesthood leaders, bishops, deacons quorum, you know, advisors. Um, those were the men who raised me, and I'm so grateful that I had that support. And without it, I don't know what my life would be today. Um, so I guess my testimony, you know, as anyone who was raised in the church, you gain it little by little sure. throughout your life. Uh, but looking back, I'm just so grateful that we had the gospel, we had the church, to keep us afloat and and set us on the right path. I love that.
0: I love that. Um, Jen, I'm gonna throw a curveball at you, but there's, you know, young families in the ward that would love to probably hear from you guys about, you know, maybe spiritual hacks raising kids in this day and age. Are there things that come to your mind? raising your sweet girls that you feel like, you know, or things that you are working, like, any anything that you'd like to share in that regard?
2: Um, I, I think what I'm always just trying to teach my girls are, I, I'm constantly trying to keep a couple things in mind. And the first is empathy. I feel like if I can teach my children that, we are all God's children and that that there are people who are in very different circumstances than us and, and try and get them to understand and feel some of what other people feel. Um, I'm constantly trying to keep that in mind and show them that I am actively empathetic and also trying to actively serve people around me. And so I'll try and toss them ideas like, okay, well, how can we brighten somebody's day today? Or... You know, one of our favorite things to do is if we're driving through a drive-through line, I'll say to the girls, what do you think the people behind us would think if we paid for their meal today? Mm-hmm. And they get so excited and then we pay for their meal and we drive off and then we like park somewhere and try and see what their reaction is. Um, and that's just something that I'm constantly trying to drill into them. Or if if someone else is having a bad day or one of their friends is mean at school or or something like that. I'm I'm always trying to say hey Ruby, well we don't know what they're going through. Everybody has bad days. Maybe they're having maybe something's going on at home that you don't know about or or maybe somebody's being mean to them. Hurt people hurt people, right? So that I'm always trying to teach them. And then also I'm constantly trying to drill into them that they have the power within themselves to know what's right. Yeah right? Heavenly Father will help them. The other night, Ruby was scared um, to go to sleep and she was feeling upset and angsty and was having a hard time going to sleep. And I said, you know what? I I feel that way oftentimes. And something that you can do, you can always say a prayer to Heavenly Father to help you feel comforted. And you can always sing a primary song. And I was like, what kind of, what's your favorite primary song? And she said, Gethsemane. And I was like, okay, sing that in your head until you fall asleep and the next morning she said it worked mom it worked so i think the best things that i can do for my children are to teach them empathy and to teach them that they will know what's right right they know inside themselves with the power of the holy ghost and praying to Heavenly Father, they will know what the right decisions are. They don't need to listen to outside voices. They already know what they should be doing.
0: I love this. Fantastic. Well, you've got a good one dear. here, don't you, John?
1: <laughs> I don't know how I can Yeah, match what Yeah, I'm not say. even
0: going to let <laughs> you go down that road.
2: Oh, stop it some more, gentlemen. Stop is... it some more. That was
1: good. I no, love it. I, I, I feel the same way as Jen. I mean, we actively try and teach christ-like love for other people and and i think children are born that way and all we have to do is not mess them up (laughs) (laughs) not encourage them to behave differently than they instinctually would Um, and i think so much of it just comes back to they are witnessing us and whether or not we are living the gospel and so we just have to always be giving that example of you know, instead of swearing at someone on the freeway when they cut you off, how do you address, how do you respond to this situation? Yeah, let's, let's pay for their meal at the
0: Chick-fil-A drive through <laughs> That's just right. fabulous, That's right? Idea. You
2: know what, though? That is something that I have noticed my girls say. They'll Somebody will cut us off or, you know, and Ruby will pipe up and say, They just cut you off, Mom. Can you believe that? They just cut you off. And I'm thinking, where did they get that? John? John.
0: Hey, I, uh,
2: but I'll say to I Ruby. I when the girls are in the car. I'll I'm trying that. to say to her, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. That's and right. maybe they're just having a bad day. We have this thing um, lately. I'm trying to think of where it came from. Oh, oh, my sweet Ruby. She went to a dance convention and she had a teacher that was pretty brutal in this huge dance convention there were about 150 girls your daughter went to it yeah she was in this big dance convention and um another girl from another studio came in her space and Ruby didn't know what to do because she didn't have enough room to dance and so she raised her hand and said I don't have enough room to dance and uh, with the microphone on this teacher (laughs) said is that my problem That's your problem. Go to the back. And Ruby was like, what? And she waited for her to walk all the way to the back of the class in front of Mm, all of these kids. And Ruby was, I have never seen her so nervous because she had to go back to that class the next day. And so I was trying to say to her, I tried to make light of it. And so I said, you know what? She had poopy pants. She had poopy (laughs) (laughs) pants. all the girls were laughing. She had poopy pants and you know, and so now every time and then they thought it was so funny and I was like, "You know what? Everybody has bad days." She pooped her pants and she was super <laughs> grumpy in class. And that's not your problem, but it is your decision how you react to that. So let's show her some love and let's I go back her. the next day and you work harder and you show her that you have got this and she was so nervous but the next day she went back and she worked so hard and she got called out for doing it well i was so proud of her and she won a scholarship at this dance convention
1: and probably because of that how she reacted because of
2: how she reacted to it and it was one of those moments where you're like oh i'm so i was crying i was so happy for her but i'm i feel like that just so now that's become a thing in our family I, every time somebody cuts me off on the freeway and the girls point it out, I'm like, they have poopy, pants today. Must have
1: poopy pants today. You don't
2: know, right? Like, you just never know what someone else is going through in their life. And I just feel like it's my job as a Christian to not judge and just extend love. I've had so many situations where I've had. I've been that mother in the store with the screaming child and someone's extended me love and I can think of a situation. I'm am sorry, I'm stealing the, the my no, no, song no, no, no. here. This is but but the... <laughs> you just talk
1: as much as you'd like. Yeah. No, this
2: this just it just reminded me um rec- fairly recently, a few months ago, I was in Target. And I was shopping all by myself, and oh, what a relief it felt like to shop alone. It feels like a vacation, right? For when a mother
1: you, of young kids. When you have don't have in. your
2: kids with you, and you're like leisurely walking through I Target, and oh, it was so nice, right?
1: Sometimes we fight over who gets to go alone in store, and you're not hurrying.
0: No,
2: I was just taking my time. <laughs> it was nighttime. I was like, this is dreamy, right? And off in the distance, I could hear this child screaming hysterically, like screaming. And my first thought was, Oh mama, I have been there. I'm thinking to the the mom. I was like, Oh, I have been there. I'm so sorry. I know what that's like. And then just naturally as I progressed through the store, it took me over to that area. And I happened to walk down the aisle and I could see them down the aisle and I, something stopped me dead in my tracks. And I know that it was the spirit stopping me. And I looked over and this mother was, squeezing her child in anger and twisting this little boy and he was screaming in pain. That's why he was screaming hysterically. Oh, it's still so raw. And I just instantly said this prayer and I, I was like, Heavenly Father, what can I do to make this situation better? What can I do to make this situation better? Because, you know, as a mother, your instinct is to protect this child, Right. But I knew that wasn't going to make the situation better for me to go in guns blazing and and yell at her. And so it was like my, it was like the spirit took over and suddenly I was walking. After I told John this, he was like, you did what? (laughs) But I walked over to this mother and I put my hand on her back and I said, what can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? And... She looked at me and she said, nothing, you can't do anything to help me. And I said, I know what you're, I know what that's like to have a child who's screaming in the store and not know how to handle it and lose your cool. But I am here to help you. And I just froze and stood there with my hand on her back. And after a few minutes, she softened and i pulled out suckers that i had in my purse and i gave her son a sucker and i said you know what everybody has bad days
0: yeah
2: and it will get better tomorrow right and that's just uh, i'm
0: squeezing the microphone as i'm hearing the story <laughs> right cuz i don't yeah this is
2: well it, it it has made such a profound impression on me this this situation and I came home with a renewed sense of patience for my yeah. children and a renewed um, appreciation that we are all God's children and that our children are very precious little souls that we have been trusted to care for. Um, and it also taught me to not always go with my first reaction when I see a situation.
0: I, I love that, that you prayed for help. Because, like, I'm squeezing the microphone because I just would have just went and grabbed the kid, right, and made it worse. And that you, you came up with an idea to make it better and not make it worse. Because I would have made it worse because it would have just made me so angry.
1: And I think if you were to talk to a child expert, they would have said de-escalating the situation is maybe the only helpful thing, which is exactly what Jen did. And I, I guarantee I wouldn't have handled it as well as Jen did. And I'm sure she was guided by the spirit to do that. And so I was, I was nervous listening to that story when she was telling it the first time because I was thinking, you know, what, what right. is the right thing to do in that right. situation? You call DCFS, you get the store involved. Like none of those things would have actually helped. The, the kid may have suffered a lot more after all of that happened than what Jen did, which was to calm the situation down. It's fantastic. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, John, I got a question for you. This one will make you think a little bit, but in uh, mm-hmm. a hundred years from now, and this podcast hopefully is still around, <laughs> and your great 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 grandson or daughter is listening to this podcast because they've never met you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What would you want him or her to know about you?
2: That's a journalist that's, question right there. That's I'm a impressed. Deep one. <laughs> Right? I'm very impressed with that So line you get of to think about
1: that too, Jen, while he's... What would I want my grandchild to know about me? Um, I think I would want them to know that really all that mattered to me was my family. And I, I think a lot of that was because of how I was raised and... Um, and hopefully they will see the evidence of that from the ways that they were raised and their parents were raised um, because I, I hope that I'm leaving a legacy that will live on for generations. A big a big deal for me, because my father left our family and, and really did a lot of damage to our family because of that. Sure. Uh, and that's a whole other story. But um, a big, huge deal for me is kind of remaking the chain that he broke meaning you, you would hope that generation after generation is this legacy that's left by the prior generation of faith of the builds of you know resources of you know presence in lot li- in their lives i just want my kids to always know that they were my world they were everything to me and i passed on to them everything i could to improve their lives and i want them to do that for their children and so on and so on and so I would hope that that grandchild would be able to see evidence in their life of the work that I tried to do to build the family in the That's next awesome. generation. That's awesome. Jen?
2: Um, I am adopted, and I have often looked at what my life could have been if I wouldn't have been placed in the family that I was placed with. Um, and I think there's no doubt that... God, even though I did not have the perfect childhood, and there were a lot of challenges, I I know that I was placed in the childhood that I was supposed to be placed in to learn the things that I needed to learn. Um, and so if, if I could leave a lasting message with future generations, I would just say that life can be super hard sometimes, and you never know what challenges you're going to be facing, what challenges people around you are facing. But I would just say that something that has given me great peace is that I knew before I came here how hard it was going to be. And I knew all of the challenges that I was going to face and that my children and my family was going to face. And I still said, I'll go. And... I would just say, you are stronger than you think you are. And with Heavenly Father's help, you can do anything.
1: I love it. Her answers are always better than mine. That is not true. (laughs) Once again, I
0: have to identify the Spirit. Both of your answers have brought the Spirit uh, into this room, and I thank you for it. What a wonderful opportunity to to know a little bit more about the stag so thank you so much thank, thank you yeah, this was fun